You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy While Muslim Podcast. This is Usma Jaffrey. This is Zeba Hassan, and it has been a minute. It has. We've had some busy summers, girl. What's been going on with you? Um, you know, uh, you, uh, first of all, let's talk about you. Let's talk about what's <laughs> going on okay. with you. And I don't want to make you laugh. And then we'll talk about my update because yours is, for people that are watching on video, is pretty obvious about what your update is. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that. Yeah. So the reason I can't smile is because my face is still healing. Um, I had a deviated septum and some nasal polyps that I needed to get removed. And I thought, you know, it's me, go big or go home. If they're going to go inside and fix my breathing issues, then go ahead and fix my outside issues. For a very long time, uh, I wanted my nose straightened. And so I did a full on nose job well, that's nothing to sniff at. I am just so glad that you did what you wanted, and inshallah, you heal great. Um, I'm just now coming back from my annual trip to Chicago and seeing all of my family and friends. And I do have to say, this was probably one of the best trips that I have had uh. in a very long time. Um, and partly because, one, my expectations were managed. Um, and two, I did some really hard work on myself over this last year um, to kind of yeah. um, make it so that I don't get triggered by different things. And, you know, we'll talk about that later on in the episode. But as you know, it has been an extremely hot summer. Let's talk about global warming, everybody, you know, chock full of <laughs> viral surges, travels, having the kids at home eating snacks every two minutes, even when I lock the snack cabinet. I'm kind of ready for everybody to go back uh, to school. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too excited about a, a couple more weeks of nonstop snacking, but I just wanted to thank everybody for joining us um, on your summer vacation, because I know that a lot of people, their summers are super busy. Um, but I want everybody to remember to listen to the Muslims in Route 66 and tune into Mona Hather's um, episode. We want everybody to watch the PBS documentary so badly that we republish the episode within weeks because it's that good. In August, we are starting our probably most highly anticipated series after our sex series. Let's just be real. Muslims and severed ties of kinship. You know, everybody knows, like in Islam, family relations are pretty much mentioned 23 times in the Quran. What that means is that as Muslims, it is kind of a sin for us to stop talking to family. We can't even be angry at someone for more than three days. There is a hadith on that because relationships are so key in Islam. We're putting our money where our mouth is, and we're going to kick off this series with my beautiful co-host, Dr. Uzma Jaffrey. She is a mom doc, solar practitioner, mompreneur, podcaster, public speaker, and mama of four. She's also going to do a deep dive personally. So I am thrilled and excited to interview her today, partly because her sister called her out on um, our Facebook group at Momming Well Muslim all all together on, on Facebook. So join us there if you can. Uzma, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit of your momming philosophy 
before we start digging into the the nitty gritty of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Assalamualaikum, everybody. And I do definitely want to make sure that I clarify when we put the call out on our Facebook group for guests for this particular series, I was already on the schedule before my sister called me out. So um, I have yes. insight. I know where I belong in the series. So I had already put myself there. Um, but for me, for those who are listening to the podcast for the first time or who have never heard it before, I am a mother of four. They are 14, 12, 11, and seven years old. I have three boys and a girl, just like Zeba does. Um, and my momming philosophy is kind of, it, it's evolved. You know, before I was very like tiger mommy and very hands-on and managing everything um, from their sleep and eating schedules to what they did and what they were exposed to. Now, uh, I understand even for my seven-year-old that there is some independence that is required um, and that I am required to teach them. So I'm working really hard to let them grow and as individuals and have the room and the space and breath to show me who they are rather than me labeling them or dictating that to them who they are. And that's very important to me. So I would say that that's the closest to my philosophy at this time. And it truly has evolved since we first started to, to reconnect with each other yes. and who you are today and the calmness that you have. Oh, yeah. So I want to give you kudos for that yes. because she was a very different um, person before. And part of what we really support here at Mommy Well Muslim is when you know better, you do better. And and part of our, our job as parents is to constantly evolve. So I absolutely love that. You know, so part of the reason why we decided to put this um, series on together is uh, our own personal journeys, right? I am talking about mine on um, the blog at um, Hot Hijab. So feel free to look for that there. And Uzma is being brave brave enough to come in front of you all and talk a little bit about her journey. You know, as, my, as far as, as long as I've known you, I have known you to be such a mindful Muslim. You're very much into the Hadith and making, putting the practice into your daily day practice. So when you hear or, and you know about the, the, the kinship Hadith, what does that mean to you? Let's let's start from there. And how has that changed a little bit before we start getting into the reason why you're featured on today's episode? So you want to talk specifically about like some of the hadith? Yes. Oh, okay. Like what for somebody that knows about it and knows the importance of it, why is it that you feel you can cut this person? out oh. of your life. Okay. Um, I think, uh, what I want to say is that I don't think it, I ever thought it was okay. You know, I knew that it was problematic because, you know, Islam in the Quran, Allah says over and over in the Hadith of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, peace be upon him, our prophet, like we're not allowed to, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, look at it. His, uh, uncles were his enemies. And his non-Muslim uncle, one of his non-Muslim uncles was his protectors. But like the majority of them were his enemies. And he still kept trying to go back and talk to them. And they're like the worst of people, right? Um, <laughs> so it's like, what justification did I have? And at the time, you know, whenever we want something, we are going to seek those people who are going to tell us what we want to hear. Like that's just human nature, right? Okay. And at the time I was um, going through some Quran coaching 
And my Quran coach at the time, you know, he was kind of um, present when I was undergoing this family situation. And I obviously talked to him about it. And he was like, well, if, you know, how is it making you feel? And I was like, being around this person makes me feel really dirty. It makes me feel like I want to say and do really mean things. Like I can't help, like, you know me, I have no filter, right? So I'm going to say what's on the top of my mind. So if I want to say you're a piece of garbage, I'm going to say you're a piece of garbage. I'm also very, at the time, I also felt like garbage in the presence of this person Mm -hmm. because you know, I had uh, taken on a lot of what was unnecessary. My mindset was not in the right frame. I'm going to be really honest. And so I really, I probably, I'm not going to say my mind wasn't straight. I'm going to say my mindset wasn't straight. And so when I told him this, I was like, I feel like it's really interfering in my memorization. I feel like it's really interfering in my iman. Like, I don't even want to pray for this person. Like, I'm just... I really want to be done. You know, I want this completely out and far away from my life because I foresee the repercussions of this even falling on my children. So he was like, well, if somebody is decreasing your mind that way, you know, there are certain select situations where you can stop talking to somebody and it is justified and you can maintain ties of kinship without communication. Like you can just be quiet about it and like walk away like it's not a big deal. And so that's what I did. But obviously, you know, again, I'm bigger, go home, go bigger, go home. So I I chose to cut it off completely because that was just easier for me to play ostrich. And so that's what I did. But at no point did I ever feel like I was doing something correct. Okay. Okay. So now that we've established that, you know, do you mind sharing what you feel you can about what happened and how you got to this place where you literally, like you just said in your own words, you didn't feel like you could even pray for this person. Yeah. Um, So I have a third sibling um, and I don't really uh, talk about him much to people. So when people even ask me like, you know, how many siblings do you have? I'll say I have my sister Um, and and that's it. And so it's difficult because my parents live in the same town as me. And so people will find out like, oh, we didn't know you had a brother. It's like, yeah, I know. I did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. So without going into uh, too many details, because, you know, he's not here to defend himself. Another person yeah. is and involved. He's not here exactly. to defend himself, to be really honest. So, you know, there were decisions that he made that affected his life. But as a typical South Asian woman and mother, I took on his actions as my own failures. Like what you did reflects upon me and upon things that I did wrong or ways that I didn't show up properly. And so... Your failures are now my failures, and looking at you makes me feel like a failure. And that was completely 100% made-up story in my mind, right? Um, right. And that was so. So this is where that yes. mindset piece yes. comes in. And of course, right? at the time, I didn't know this mindset stuff. I learned the mindset stuff years later, you know. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's just catastrophic. The kinds of decisions that were made, like social catastrophes, would happen. Um, there were some religious catastrophes too. And the reason why for me it was important to walk away was because I, at the, at the time, still really wanted to control my children's environment. And um, mm-hmm. the only way that I knew to hurt somebody was to remove my children from them. Uh, because that's the only leverage okay. I had. So uh, because I wanted my kids to grow up to be memorizers of the Quran or Hafaz, and I wanted them only to be around like the top character people, um, I was like, you're not one of those people. 
So you can't be around them. Like you could still have a relationship with me. So I did put that on the table. I was like, you can still have a relationship with me, but my kids are off the table because A, I share them with somebody else and that somebody else doesn't want you around them either. You know, so they're not just my children. They're also my husband's children. He was absolutely like, he was like, I don't want them around that person anymore. So, and I was okay with it. Uh, But I did say, if you ever want a relationship, then you can reach out to me. But I'm not, I'm not going to reach my hand across the aisle again. Like I'm not going to do it because I've been doing it my whole life. And I felt very used. I felt very lied to. I felt very cheated. And then the, the cop, the nail in the coffin was, uh, when he said he wasn't Muslim anymore. So for me, I was like, well, why am I even bothering? You know, cause this whole time I kept reaching out and I kept, you know, trying to keep you, your head above water, like reaching over the boat, but I don't know how to swim. I can't follow that water with you if you're not Muslim, you know, cause I can't afford to lose my religion is what I was afraid of. And so at that point I turned very much inward and was like, I'm going to focus on me and my children because you are not my child. And I had grown up until that point, you know, for 35 years, I thought like this was my first son. You know, and I remember the first time we got together in a retreat, like you, me and Rabina. Mm -hmm. And I think who one of you guys asked me, it's like, but why? Why did you care so much? And I remember getting so emotional at the time because I was like, Mm -hmm. I, I really literally treated him like he was my son. And so. Um, the results of what happened after this, like really, really affected my momming until I got my head right again. So it was kind of a big deal. So, okay. Now, you know me, like I've known this person as well, because obviously we're family friends and this and that. And it is very much true that they were a very close, um, very close. So perhaps you felt a little bit like it was a betrayal of your guys's relationship on some sort of some point, right? At some level, which is why you reacted in the way that you did or, or, and and again, I'm not judging that, but let me ask you this, right? You know, we have a lot of um, reverts or converts within our community, right? That have decided to change their religion or whatever. And then we heard stories about their families, you know, totally pushing them away or doing those types of things. And so I guess my thing is like, how do you feel about this situation in connection to something like that? Cause like you said, this person has now said, I'm no longer Muslim, um, and are making choices, um, that seem to be in accordance to this newfound level of faith on some level or lack of faith. How do you feel about that? Um, without putting you on the spot that for me, as somebody looking in, I, I can equate it to, to, to some of these reverts and converts that have converted to Islam, yeah. for instance, and gotten, you know, disowned by their family as a result. Yeah, no, I see it now at the time, a hundred percent. I did not. Um, but I see it now, especially like when we did our convert series, when we have talked to guest speakers who happen to, um, mm-hmm. I think recently we had Aunt St. Nadia on, on our most recent convert series. And, you know, mm-hmm. she had discussed the, the difficulties in her relationships that she created, but was able to um, stay yeah. with her family and stay reconciled with her family because her non-Muslim family would not give up on her. And, you know, I know it hurts my heart right. when I hear about our convert sisters being abandoned right. by their families or disowned by their families because of the religious choice they may, made. And I see now, um, 
when Muslim families turn their backs on their children who have, you know, quote unquote, apostated and the, the repercussions that that can have, because that certainly doesn't bring anybody closer to Islam, right? Uh, disowning them. So I think now as a, right, yeah, exactly. and now as a mom, you know, I know growing up for us, the worst thing in the world possible is that, what was it for our South Asian moms? Uh, maybe not your mom, but like for most South Asian moms, the worst thing that could happen was like your kid marries an American and, you know, uh, I don't know, doesn't speak Urdu or their grandchildren don't speak Urdu or something like that, you know? Um, right. But for me, I realized after this situation, the worst thing that could happen to me as a mother was if one of my children left Islam. So when people say things like, oh, my kid did this or my kid did that, I'm like, dude, it could be way worse. It could be way worse. But I know as a mom, even if my kid did that now, like there's no way I could turn my back on him. Right. Um, that's my kid. And I'm not nobody gives right. up on their kid. Like we're not going to do that. And like if our prophets right. had spouses and children who wouldn't accept Islam, despite them being prophets, then who, like, what chance do we have as, like, normal flawed right. people? But that took years and years of right. study, self-reflection, therapy, um, in order to see that. But I, I can see that now, right. if people, like, know what I've said before to our convert sisters and to anybody else, you know, even during our Korean Muslim month, you know, to be really honest, if they hear what I say to those people and they hear mm -hmm. me today talking about how, you know, these bridges have been burned, they're going to be like, what a hypocrite. Um, which is why I think it was important for me to come on here and be really open and honest about right. it. Like, I mean, nose job and, like, you know, <laughs> severed ties of kinship in one, one go. So... All like open. It all yeah. on the table right now yeah. and today, you know, but that's, I feel like what makes us unique here on this pot, because we are willing to talk about these things, whether it's in print, you know, whether it's uh, uh, um, on camera, on audio. And, you know, you and I have um, talked about this particular topic privately for yeah. a couple of years now. And, you know, I'm not psychoanalyzing you. That is not my thing. But I feel like because I knew how close yeah. the two of you were growing up and well into your, oh, your, yeah. your adulthood that do you feel like, you know, taking Islam off the table that that played a major role? Because I, I, I think it's fair to say that your parents still have a relationship with him. Um, and you're, you're, you, you're only the only one that has yeah. totally severed. Yeah. Yeah. Ties, and it was, again, correct. my parents were like, listen, we can't do this because I was demanding it of people. I was like, you will stop talking to him, too, you know, because I was trying to force what I wanted on everybody yeah. else. Because at the time, I thought that I could manipulate and on control people yes. because that had been done to me. Do that. So I was doing what I was taught. Mm -hmm. um, but my parents were like, that's our kid. And we're never going to leave him, you know, and I took it very personally and I took it as a rejection of me. Um, yeah. So it like the fallout was awful. Like, you know, like it ruined right. the relationship between my parents and me. It uh, obviously this bridge was burned between my brother and myself to the point where I, you know, we worked in the same hospital <laughs> and it was just awful because people would come and they would talk yeah. to me about him. And I would be like, no, I don't, I don't talk. They would be like, how is he? I was like, I don't know. I don't talk to him, you know? So then people would ask and I would tell them what I thought. And, you know, to some extent I still do that, you know, um, I try to, I'm not as acidic about it anymore. I'm just like, oh, I wouldn't know. Like, you should ask my parents. Um, 
But my parents were so frightened of me because I told them, I don't ever want to hear his name. I don't want to know what's going on. I literally don't care if he lives or dies. Do not mention his name to me. Do not mention him to my children because they were young enough at the time. My kids were, I think, six and under, five and under. So, you know, I was like, they're still young enough that this Mm -hmm. memory can be erased. And that's what I want, you know. So I was even controlling it for my children, which uh, is really, really uh, unfair to make that kind of a decision for your children because those are still blood ties that they have the right to maintain. And I did tell my husband, hey, if they're 18 and they remember him and they want to go and they want to meet him, I won't stop them. I just don't want to do it. You know, while they're children and they're minors and they're easily influenced, I don't want them around him. But once they're adults, I think it's okay. I am so excited. Our dream is coming to fruition and it's only a few months away. I am inviting everybody here to join our weekend retreat. It's October 14th through the 16th, 2022. It's going to be in an urban oasis, just minutes from DC. And our whole point is for you to rediscover your identity in your current life phase because your mind, body, and your soul deserve it. So visit www.mommingwallmuslim.com forward slash retreat, and we will look for you there. So for my parents, it was kind of witnessing what they were going through, which is really difficult. And I would not wish that on anybody. And my dua, every prayer is the trials that my parents had to face please protect me from those trials because they had a really crappy year that year. And this was only the very beginning of the crap fest that happened. And so, um, you know, I really feel for them because they were torn in so many directions and I was not, I didn't help the situation at all because I was all about, no, pay attention to me. I'm the victim here. I've been the one that's been betrayed because this person who told me everything is now someone I don't recognize. Like, I don't know what he's doing, why he's doing it. I'm even telling him, like, there's still ways to salvage this, and he's not listening to me. So I just, I wash my hands of all of it. Um, And that, to me, I think when you're that ingrained in a relationship or any kind of, any kind of endeavor, when you're so personally invested in it, it becomes like, I, I guess you have to have my personality type. You have to... Yeah, you're toxic like zero level. or nothing, you know, and that is a personality trait disorder, I think, mm-hmm. when you're all or none, because that's not how healthy relationships work. And that's not an expectation out of a healthy relationship, you know, um, so right. the all or none was kind of, you know, what I was taught and what I practiced at the time. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you know, part of the reason why you and I have had multiple kids, right, let's just be real, uh-huh. it's at least for me, is I love knowing that when I'm gone, that they have each other. Right. And that's part of the, well, I mean, at least for me, I feel like they always have somebody in the world that has their back, um, regardless. And, you know, we've, we've gone through some turmoil in our family. We've alluded to that as well. And I love that we can still talk about it and come together. How would you feel if one of your children did this to another one of your children or child like how would you feel about that and and can you on some level understand or empathize with what your parents had to go through yeah no I mean absolutely I would feel awful if this happened to my kids 
um, considering, you know, they fight like all day long right now. But I know that at the end of the day, they're really close. I would feel horrible if this happened to them, especially my last two who are like really, really tight with each other. Mashallah, you know, may Allah protect them always. But, you know, all I can do is make dua. But I have told my kids, it's like, I'm not going to expect you, you know, if I'm teaching you body autonomy and your, um, the sanctity of your mental wellness, and if you don't want to go here or do this thing because it like bothers you to the point where you're distressed, I don't want you to do it. Um, and it's very academic the way I'm approaching it, right? Because my kids are young. It hasn't happened yet. So I think I can say this now. I don't know what I'm going to say when it actually happens. Like, no, you have to talk to your brother. If I don't, or if it happens, God or forbid. Or if it happens, yeah. you know, if Yeah, it does, God forbid don't if say it happens. When. Um, it, it, what I'm saying is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I would want them to do whatever they need to do to preserve their faith. If it gets to the point where you're feeling traumatized by being around something or someone, no matter who it is, even if it's me, like, I don't want to be the source of your pain. Like, that's fine. It's going to break my heart. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I would be absolutely right. broken if I thought that I was the reason why you're in so much pain. So certainly, if I'm allowing it for myself, I'm going to say it's okay for your your brother or sister. Again, God forbid, I hope it doesn't happen. But again, I think I'm speaking from a very academic perspective. I think if I was actually in the situation, I would be on hands and knees begging, like, please make up, please, like, let's go get therapy, let's go get family counseling, let's try to do all the things before we make any long-term decisions, you know? So, and I don't think right. that we did that. Yeah, that's that's what I was, that, that was going to be my follow-up question. Like, you've said that with your own internal introspection and your own personal um, journey um, for mindset, um, for a change of mindset, if, if you all as a family unit had done that at that time, do you feel like the results would have been different? Maybe the results wouldn't have been different, but the mindset would have, you know, like we would have been able to talk it out like, because all of us just kind of played ostrich at that point, you know? Um, I think everybody was so afraid of hurting everybody else because at yeah. the time, like, I was pregnant. And so my parents really didn't want to upset me. And when I said, you know, and I was pregnant and taking sedatives, like heavy sedatives, because I could not function. I was having panic attacks, like, on the regular. And it was worrying everybody else so much. They were like, oh, don't bring it up because Uzma is going to freak out. You know, the whole South Asian, like... Oh, she's like, you know, if you talk about this, they're going to have a heart attack. They're going to yeah. have a stroke. That's only in Bollywood. It's not in real life. That's not how the human body works. But I was having actual panic attacks. And like in my first trimester, taking sedatives could have had some really bad repercussions on my son. But, you know, I just could not function. You know, again, we worked in the same freaking building. You know, it was really, really hard for me even to go to work, like even to look at him. Like I just would like panic attack, you know. So. I think therapy would have helped me at that time to kind of work through the emotions. Um, I think I was going to therapy. It was individual though. It wasn't like family. So I really think in, in situations like this, um, okay. I recently read Fault Lines in the last year, which is by a sociologist. And it's talking about some of the common reasons that families, you know, break their ties of kinship. And it's not like focused on Muslim families. 
Yeah, but it's really common. Like up to 60% of families have some kind of relationship. So reading that book, I was like, wow, so many families have this issue. And there's like no race or ethnicity or religion where, you know, it doesn't happen. In Islam, though, we have this tenet where it's like, you can't do that. You know, they're called salat al-rahm or the relationships of the womb. And if you are Arabic speaking and you recognize the rahm, rahm is the word for womb, which is also... From, you know, one of the names of Allah is Ar-Rahman, the merciful. So the relations of the womb must be merciful. And that's why I carried so much guilt and so much, you know, with with making this decision. But I didn't know what else to do when I'm like clinically having these symptoms. And I'm clinically in this current situation where somebody else's life is dependent mm-hmm. on my mental and physical health. It was really easy at the time to say, no, cut it all off. Just everything that is stressing me out, let's get it off the table right now just because I can't deal. And, you know, subsequently, I just never got to the point where I was able to again. Like, it didn't matter if there were family reunions and stuff. I just never dealt with it well, despite having therapy. Um, But again, I think if it's family therapy in those situations where everybody can kind of present in a you know, with an objective person in the room and say, this is my POV, this is my POV, this is how I'm feeling. You know, because a lot of times we assume stuff about other people. 99% of the time we're wrong. Um, but to hear it from them in a in a safe setting like that, I think would have been helpful. So who knows? But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I'm just going to ask you a very direct question. Um, This is more from you. Like this is, uh, this is me leading, you know, just listening and hearing what you had to say and acknowledging that you were not in the right mental headspace separate and apart from this particular situation happening to you to the point where you had to be on sedatives. Um, And we've talked a little bit about your postpartum journey and things like that. And you've been super honest about it. Now, do you have, or do you feel that potentially this played a role in how you reacted or responded to the situation? Or do you feel that it was separate and apart from that? So I'm going to say I don't know. At the time, I very vehemently was like, absolutely not. I was very insulted when people were like, oh, it's just because you're pregnant and hormonal that you're speaking like this. And I was so offended by that. Um, I was like, that's such a misogynistic thing for you to say. Shut up. Like, no, I felt I would have felt like this even if I wasn't pregnant. But how do I know? How would I know? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There was no, I had no frame of reference. So, um, I, I honestly don't know. I can't rule it out, you know, from a medical standpoint, there's no way for me to rule it out. But the fact that I went through my postpartum period, which, uh, during my postpartum period, I wasn't even speaking to my parents. Like I was estranged from them for like a good four months as well. You know, that last trimester, they weren't there. I did not tell them when I had my son, um, so they only saw him after he was a week old when I finally let my sister tell them. Because she was like, can I tell them now? Come on. Um, and I didn't see them when they came over. So it was like really precarious. And, you know, did I cry that day? Yeah, I cried. I was sad. But the postpartum period with that fourth one was not traumatic like it was with the other ones. I was actually like, I had a lot of help. I knew what I was doing. I, you know, was a seasoned mom. I had lined up like everything that I needed to help me, like food wise, care wise, kid wise. So I, my recovery was really good, which is why maybe that faked me out and was like, this was the best thing that I could have done because I still didn't want to change the decision that I made while I was pregnant. Like I still didn't want to see him. I still didn't want him to see my kid. So 
you know, I honestly don't know. I can't rule it out. Well, that's, that's actually a really fair thing to say. And I love that you're being super open about that because, you know, part of healing regardless, right, is what is the role that we played in the situation? Yeah. You might, like you said, come to the same conclusion, right? You can go through that, whatever. But the reality of the situation is you don't get actual closure until you see or you acknowledge the role that you played in any situation. And again, right. the result can still be the same. So people confuse that a little bit. And I think when you're dealing with generational trauma and these types of things that, you know, we've talked about on the show before, you might still have the same result, meaning you're still cutting off ties with this person, but the journey to get to that decision is a little bit more um, enlightened if yeah. to, and know, intentional for lack of a better a better yeah. phrase an intentional yeah. versus right. reactionary right? right like I right. made a point I've gone through the motions and I still feel despite everything else this is the decision I ultimately want to make which right. in, in in all circumstances I hope that you have that but do you feel that you have that? closure sense of this is the final decision. Yeah. And it wasn't as a result of like my postpartum period. It was actually, you know, what we were estranged for what, uh, it's going on eight and a half years now, I believe. Mm-hmm. But last year when it's we were seven years in, yeah, seven years in, I decided, okay, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of mindset work. I've done all my journaling. I understand. And I'm one of those people who wrote the emails and never sent them, who wrote the letters and never sent them because, yeah. you know, it's a matter of working out all of the toxic words that you have and all the toxic emotions you have and getting them on paper, but not sharing that with other people because you don't want to spread toxicity, right? We only want to spread yes. goodness. We're Muslims after all. And at the end of the right. day, we're human beings and that's what other human beings deserve too. So I did all of that and I got to a place where I was like, okay. I know it's important for me, my parents, it was really hard on them. And I knew what a struggle it was because, you know, certain times I couldn't go to their house or certain times they couldn't come to my house because, you know, whatever, they're with their son. So, you know, it was just, it was unspoken. Like they wouldn't say, they'd be like, oh, well, we can't. And so then I would know like, okay, they're visiting with him or he's over. So I can't go over now. So it was like this kind of scheduling, dancing around each other because we had said we'd never want to we'd never want to be in the same place at the same time. And I know this is really hard for my parents to juggle. So I said, I want to ease that burden for my parents. And I want to be able to gift them my adulthood and my healthy new mindset. And I want to gift them the ability to have all of their children in the same room being civil to each other. And I was like, I'm ready to give them that. And I told my sister, I was like, I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure. I'm not saying I want a relationship. I'm just saying, let's try sitting in the same room and see what happens. And so she arranged just it during Ramadan yeah. just to see what happens, you know? And I was like, I am not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking to, you know, build the bridges back up, but I'm willing to just extend my hand one more, not even extend my hand. I'm just holding up my hand. Like I'm finally holding up my hand because before that I was sitting on them, right? I'll hold it up now. And so she arranged it and go fig, you know, it's a crazy Ramadan day. I'd been doing a lot of pickups and drop-offs and I forgot Zeba. I totally forgot. So I wasn't able to coach myself and get ready. And then my sister calls me and she's like, you're supposed to be here. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. And she's like, yeah, you are. He's on his way already. Don't do this now. Do not back out right now. 
And I realized that it was my mistake. I hadn't scheduled it properly. So I, I went over there again, not in the right mind frame now, because now I'm anxious because of the time issue. I haven't coached myself. I haven't scripted myself. You know how I am with scripts. So like, I haven't done any of that. Mm-hmm. I haven't like coached myself with my husband, who is the reason why I, you know, reinitiated contact with my parents. Cause he was like, you know, you're going to go to hell if you don't talk to your parents. Right. So, you know, I, I needed that good kind of conscious voice in my head and he was at work. So I wasn't able to connect with him, but, you know, just text him really quickly. Hey, we're meeting at mom's and he's going to be there and I need you to come. Okay. So we get there. I'm hot. I'm tired. And, you know, but I was quiet from the get go. It started off on the wrong foot and it wasn't even uh, my sibling who was the initiator of all of that toxicity. It was someone entirely came out of left field. I wasn't ready for it. My mom and my sister weren't ready for it. And while it was happening, they weren't, they did not step in to stop it. And I didn't feel like I could step in and stop it because I'm trying to be peaceful and I'm fasting. Oh, and it's Laylatul Qadr, the night of power, which for Muslims is one of the like biggest nights of the year um, to make prayer. And it's like, I'm being so triggered by what this person is doing and saying, and they won't stop. And you know, I, I told you, like, it all blew up and it got hard, like, screaming fast, awful. And I tried to keep it as level as possible. But I did, you know, I did shout and cuss back because when you have somebody huge screaming and spitting in your face and saying, this is all your fault, it's like, I didn't even start it. And everybody in this room can see that I didn't start this. You know, I was trying to get away. But the mistake was that it didn't pick up my keys and leave as soon as it happened because I was like, no, I promised my mom I'm going to get through dinner. I promised my mom I'm going to get through this. And I just wasn't able to. And when this happened, it happened, of course, in front of my parents. It happened in front of all of the kids. So my sister's like hiding the kids upstairs. My kids are thinking that I'm getting beaten down downstairs. So they're like afraid for me. And none of this happened until my husband left. So they're already getting traumatized. Yeah. So my kids are hearing this. They're hearing adults, somebody that they haven't seen in like seven years, screaming at their mom and threatening her. And they're like, oh, my God, is he going to hit my mom? You know, and, you know, my sister, Mm -hmm. you've seen how big she is. She's trying to get in the middle. It was just... It was awful. There wasn't actually any fist throwing. None of that happened, but it could have, you know, and it's just so tragic that it happened on that night of power when we should have been praying, when we could have come together as a family, but because of the circumstances that we were in and because certain people, I mean, I should have coached myself too, but there were certain other people that needed a lot of coaching and directing and they're just not teachable people that ruined the situation that night. So in any case, my parents came to me and apologized profusely because they were like, you never have to try again. Because after that exhibition, like we know that you did your very best and we will never ask you to do that again. I was like, thank you. Like I'm officially off the hook. Like I tried, you know, I did my very best. Even after that, yeah, I think 10, 10 days, two weeks later, I was like, and this was kind of bad of me because I know that they were uncomfortable because they knew that they were wrong. Um, and they were at my mom's house and I said, I'm coming over. And my mom was like, don't come over because they're here. I was like, well, I don't care. I can still be an adult and sit in the room. And like, no, they're not comfortable. I was like, well, that's their problem. Like it's my mom's house and I'm coming over and I will. And my mom was like, absolutely not. And then that created like this big divide between my mom and me. Cause I was like, okay, I'm not going to come to your house anymore. Because if you think his feelings are so important and me trying to continue to be an adult is not, then I don't want to see you anymore either. So it was just, you know, it was stupid of me. And that's pretty recent, right? That's in like the last year. But 
I, I feel like I tried. And so at this point, I feel like that bridge that was burned is going to remain that way because I still held up my hand and I was not met the opposite way. Since then, a lot of stuff has gone down where he's tried to reach out and it's like, you know, okay, fine. You know, my sister will set something up and we'll have like, just get down to business and, you know, walk away. But it doesn't make me feel like, it makes me feel less like I've severed the tie of kinship. It makes me feel like the the ties were severed. And I don't think they were severed by me because I think I tried to reconnect, um, like really reconnect last year. It just didn't happen. It was completely sabotaged from the get-go. It was, it was messed up. So Isma, I was looking at my 401k materials and getting a little overwhelmed. Oh, I know what you mean. It can look like chaos. And none of the choices were halal. It's kind of a disaster. You know about the amount of funds though, right? Wait, no. What? Well, if your plan has a brokerage option, it's likely you can choose them through that, but you can also invest directly with them. They're halal? You bet. They're the oldest and largest Islamically acceptable funds in the U.S. Sharia certified, the whole deal. We want to thank Amana Funds for sponsoring this episode. Here's what you need to know. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about Amana Mutual Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit www.amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Distributed by Saturna Brokerage Services Incorporated, member of FINRA and a wholly owned subsidiary of Saturna Capital, investment advisor to the Amana Mutual Funds. It is okay, like a lot of scholars have said, like if there's somebody who like decreases your iman or, you know, maybe you have a relative who's pretty engaging, pretty sinful behavior or whatever it is. For whatever reason, you want to keep them kind of at a distance, keep them at a distance. Like, you know, go ahead, attend the gathering where they are. You don't have to engage in like really happy, happy, like wonderful conversation and like get, you know, do deep dives with them. See them, sit with them and then leave early. You can do those things or you don't have to see them, but like don't actively avoid them. Um, and that's considered not um, severing the ties of kinship. So I'm kind of going on these technicalities and hoping that, you know, I'll be able to stand in front of Allah on the yeah. day of judgment and be like, okay, I did my very best and I tried to be as technically correct as possible. And that's where I think I stand now. And I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. So if somebody is going through something similar, what is something that you learned that you feel that this person should either do or or feel or work through before totally lighting a match to that bridge and and burning it yeah yeah definitely get the therapy go get therapy even if it's just you and your family members aren't willing to participate do that read the fault lines um and then you know like you said doing a self-analysis is really really important and it took me several years to do that that analysis because my best friend and my sister were like what are you doing because the fallout wasn't just with my parents' relationship, it was also my children, right? Because it was like, if somebody that I thought was my son could do this to me and make me feel this way, well, my kids could do that too. Um, and so I thought, I was a really authoritarian mom and I made a lot of mistakes with them and I held them kind of like at arm's length because I thought, I will never let myself fall in love with anyone or anything again that could hurt me this badly. And, you know, my friends were seeing this and my sister was seeing this and she was like, your kids don't deserve that. Why are you doing this? 
and I realized it was because, you know, I was trying to keep myself from getting hurt. I was like, well, if I, I build the wall now, then I won't get hurt later. But the fact is that I, I don't have to worry about it later. Yeah, but I'm traumatizing my kids at this point, right? So that's what required me to go in and do a lot of the... And you're still hurting on yeah, some level. Yeah, yeah. And it was because of all of that unresolved stuff. So therapy was necessary at that point. Yeah. Um, And there were so many things that happened, you know, my daughter getting sick in the middle. And so I had just a lot of reasons to always be like kind of on Mm -hmm. edge, like my butt clenched like all the time. So learning to relax, like I think the therapy took a long time. Um, You really, really have to look in the mirror and see what part you played in everything. And I think that was important. And then ultimately, I still came back and cocooned and said, okay, it's even more important for me to focus on my kids because I've done things so wrong for so long. I've got to fix it with them because this is the chance that I have, you know? And I told my parents, I was like, that's your kid. That's your problem. You're going to have to continue to deal with that, whatever it looks like. I can't help you because I've messed up these bridges so much that are so important to me. And these are my responsibility. Like, I'm going to be asked about this before I'm going to be asked about him, your son. So let me fix this. If there's anything left over after yeah, fine. I'll address it. I'll try. And I think seven years later I did, but you know, it just, it, maybe it was too little too late. I'm not sure. I think it was just really sabotaged and, you know, I'm not ruling out that it isn't possible. My hand is still held up. You know, even when I first said we're done, I said, you can try to have a relationship to me, but you're going to have to reach out. I'm not going to invite you. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to do any of those things, but if you want to, you can. Um, but that never happened. So, you know, I feel like I started there, but I'm still ending there. Um, and I tried to end there and the ball is in their court, right? In his court. And if he wants to, he can, uh, he knows that for business, obviously our parents are getting older. So, you know, there are discussions that have to be had. So that's what we're doing. Uh, but it's not any more than that. And that's why I think that it's not an entirely burned bridge. I think the ropes are still there. So if you wanted to cross across the cavern, you could hold onto the ropes, but there's no footing, you know, the footing's gone. Um, and I don't know that that's, that's ever going to come back unless you get really good therapy and work on yourself and do that self-reflection is super duper important. So that would be my advice to anybody who's going through something similar. So, you know, normally we end every episode with a rapid fire, but I feel like, um, with the topic being so, um, serious, heavy, uh, heavy, we're not going to do that, but what I am going to leave you with, and I want you to take a few minutes, um, to think about this what was one of the last happy memories that you had with this person? Oh. Uh, it was probably that I can remember, like that we had a big family reunion. So our family from Texas came over for Eid and we had it at his house. So all the kids were really little and they're all opening their gifts. And they're super excited. I think they maybe went swimming. But it was just a lot of family in the house and it was like everything was normal. And I think that was the last happy memory that I have of him. And perhaps you can hold on to that. And in the future, you're saying that you're not saying your arm is not down. Um, your hand is still up. And perhaps we can tie we can tie the knot of the two, the ropes of the bridge, maybe. Maybe not. What are your, what do you maybe think have some that? footing somewhere? Yeah. I think there, I think a lot of stuff would have to change, but again, I can't be the facilitator of that change because, 
you know, each of us is responsible for the decisions that we make. And if you're still a grown person telling somebody else that the results of their decisions are your fault, then they still have some growing to do. And until that happens, and I can't force that, right? So until that happens, I don't think we have the footing. You know, I maybe have like one step that I've created over the last eight and a half years through my therapizing and like, you know, uh, growth mindset work that I've done. But they have to do it too, right? And so as each plank gets laid down, that's how you can meet in the middle one day. But until then, we're just hanging by the ropes. And that's really hard. It's a hard place to be. And it's not a safe place to be. So once he starts laying down the planks, I think it's going to be helpful. But again, it's not something that I can force. It's not something that I can teach. Um, it's not even something that I'm going to advise to him because I don't think we have that relationship where I can give advice anymore. So it's it's really just evolution of man that has to happen independently. Well, I appreciate you being so open, candid, and vulnerable um, in, what, in this particular situation and kicking off our series. Um, we have a lot of amazing stories coming up for people to, to either learn from, grow from, um, yeah. empathize with coming up. I'm really excited about that, um, starting with your story. So thank you so much for joining us here today on Mommy Well Muslim. I hope your beautiful nose you know, stays put. She was saying just to tape it and it moves. And I'm Thank like, you. oh my God, that's, it's scary. But moves. I it's crazy. hope she, <laughs> you can breathe easy from here on out and inshallah, whatever's meant to be will be. Inshallah. So Uzma, thank you so much for being so candid with us today. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Hen. Love you. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.